Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. And the draft is, well, at this point, when you are listening to this, less than two weeks away, which is very exciting. So I am very excited. Lots of it weren't excited in the beginning of this podcast to have ESPN's Dan Graziano on to talk about it. Dan, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Tracy. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Let's jump right in. I kind of want to, so I'm going to talk about a few things. First of all, kind of your favorite you know, picks that you see. Um, and it doesn't have to be some of the top picks, just some of the guys that are really interesting to you. And then for 49ers fans, you know, I think we talked the other day, earlier this week, we talked a lot about the interior uh, or offensive line prospects with uh, Mike Golick Jr. But the Niners will probably draft a pass rusher because that's what they do. They, they do. could use yeah. some help in the secondary. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's start with, I would love to see know the guys that are just kind of jumping out to you, no pun intended, um, as exciting in this draft. Well, up at the top in the, in the first round, you mean where the Niners sort of can't get? like that's Yes, the, exactly. Uh, yeah. We'll start with where, where all those other teams get to do some yeah. crazy things like draft well, players in the first round. <laughs> look, I mean, if, if Trey Lance works out, then you're not going to mind not having a pick. Uh, in this year's first round, obviously. But look, I, I, it's a weird year because it doesn't seem like anybody's going up for a quarterback. It doesn't seem like mm-hmm. there's a quarterback. Obviously, it doesn't look like a quarterback's going to go number one. Who knows? Things can change, but that that's the way it looks. So it's tackles, right? And it, it's Evan Neal and Iki Aquanu, and, it, and it's it pass, rushers, pass rushers like Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker, you know, from Michigan and Georgia, respectively. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Jacksonville does. Uh, obviously, they're not going to take a quarterback. They did last year. Uh, so do they go edge rusher? Do they go tackle? And then what happens from there? Detroit is in an interesting spot at two. They could use uh, edge rusher. I'm sure they'd love to bring in the Michigan kid, Aiden Hutchinson, if, if uh, mm-hmm. Jacksonville doesn't want him. They also God have left. that pick at number 32. Uh, at the end of the round, they have the Rams pick. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a spot where if they are looking quarterback, maybe they move up from there. Maybe they move back from two. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. I, I think, you know, the, the guy that jumps out to me is is uh, the safety, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Because, I mean, the things you hear about him is just, you know, generational player, difference maker, you know, instant difference. And and, and the, the issue seems to be, do you want to draft a safety that high, right? If you're the Lions mm-hmm. at two, if you're the Jets at four. Uh, you know, th- that's a question that hits on the issue of what the draft is and should be and how to allocate your resources. You're looking for value. You're looking for a good value rookie contract. And if you draft a safety, if you draft a running back, you're not necessarily getting that, you mm-hmm. know, because your rookie is going to be one of the highest paid at that position. Uh, and then if he plays well, you're going to have to pay him even more. So uh, I've, I've, I'm interested to see where he goes. The cornerback Gardner, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati is an exciting player that I think will help somebody right away. So uh, yeah, some interesting names for sure, even if it's not the the glamour quarterback, you know, like last year when quarterbacks went one, two, three. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. 
That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, and I was just thinking as you were talking, it feels like the first year and at least the last several that it wasn't, there's been a presumptive number one pick the last several years. And this year is a little bit different in that, which is kind of makes it more interesting. I think so. And and I mean, I think a lot of people are putting Aiden Hutchinson in Jacksonville and that may well be the case. Um, But, you know, we don't know that for sure yet. I mean, last year at this point, we were sure they were taking Trevor Lawrence, Mm -hmm. uh, which they did. Uh, You know, so could they go off? Could they could they change it up and take one of the tackles? Um, If that happens, then what does Detroit do and what happens from there? But then the key thing is in the first round, like who does want a quarterback and what are they willing to do to get him? Right. The Saints have already mm-hmm. made a move to add a pick. Are they trying to come up again for a quarterback? You know, if you like Malik Willis from Liberty, then you think, well, he's a guy that maybe isn't going to be ready right away, but his mm-hmm. potential is off the charts. So you have Jameis Winston. If you're the Saints, you have Jameis Winston uh, for this year. Maybe you take a shot on getting a guy that you think can be sort of transformative down the road. Um I think the Niners did that last year with Lance, they, they, mm-hmm. right? They, they go up to take a guy that they think has high-end potential. Um, I guess the story is that Kyle Shanahan, you know, after Josh Allen beat him uh, late in, uh, in 2019 or, or 2020, 2020 uh, he, he kind of thought he needed somebody who could do those kinds of things. So um, I'm interested to see what happens. Pittsburgh, you know, there are teams in the middle of that round that, that could really use a quarterback uh, long-term, and I'm interested to see who they like and what kind of moves they make to get them. So going back to the Jaguars for a moment, and I'm sure many of my listeners are going to be like, do we really need to Trent Balky this <laughs> podcast? But I still just have, I, I just, is, it, it brings up a larger question. You're the Jaguars. You do draft Trevor Lawrence first last year. You have the number one pick in the draft. Do you say I want to invest in Trevor Lawrence? And so on that thought, take an offensive lineman, or do you say, well, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson and full disclosure, I went to Michigan. So I want yeah. better for Aiden than Jacksonville. But, or do you say like, you know, we're going to go with Aiden Hutchinson because he's the best player in the draft. Like, what would your philosophy be on that if you are the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Which you're not, thank God. I think, um, not yet, no. The, um, <laughs> the, the, um, the, the Jaguars hit free agency so hard, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the building around Trevor Lawrence, that was the focus there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think ideally most teams want to get to the draft uh, without having to use it to fill needs. And I think the, the, mm-hmm. as aggressive as Jacksonville was in free agency, it seems like that was their approach. So they franchised their left tackle for the second year in a row, uh, Cam Robinson. So that kind of set off alarm bells and everybody's thinking, oh, well, they must be taking the pass rusher. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but um, it, it could. So I, I think, you know, when you have the number one pick, and you know you can have literally anyone in the whole draft that you want, then you can approach free agency with knowing, you know, having in mind who, who you're going to take. So that becomes part of your free agency plan. So a uh, build around Trevor Lawrence is the key. The new coaching staff, I think, is part of that for sure. Uh, and, you know, the receivers they added and the tight end they added in free agency is a big part of that. So uh, there's nothing wrong with building a defense to help your young quarterback either. So if they think Hutchinson's the best player, then I think that's probably the way they'll go. I think that's, I mean, I think he's the best player. I know that I'm slightly biased because he went to Michigan. So I think everyone who went to Michigan is the best player. And I'm open about it. There's no, you know, it's like Ambry Thomas on the 49ers, best guy on that team by far. Not even a question. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, 
I like I want to talk a little bit about free agency since you brought it up and Jacksonville, who was just, you know, throwing throwing money around. This was kind of a, a crazy free agency period. And I'm curious as to how you think big picture it affects this year's draft and any specific position groups. You mean as regards Jacksonville? I, we, no, we, just kind yeah. of generally. I think yeah, we're good on I mean, Jacksonville. Look, <laughs> I think the connection has to do with the quarterbacks, right? Like you mm-hmm. saw teams go out and get, you know, Pittsburgh gets Mitch Trubisky. There's a huge, uh, you know, you know, Royal Rumble wrestling match to try and get uh, Deshaun Watson. And he ends up in Cleveland uh, on a historic uh, contract. Um, you, you know, you see teams maneuvering to get quarterbacks and to lock, even if it's not a perfect solution, right? Again, mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky in uh, Pittsburgh, Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. These are teams that are taking a shot on on somebody that has ability or, you know, was once highly regarded. In this case, I just named two guys that were the second overall pick in the draft mm-hmm. um, because they're not, they don't feel like this is the year to get a quarterback in the draft. So I think mm-hmm. that's the key thing. What happened, the, the thing that stands out, what made this a crazy free agency was all the quarterback movement, right? Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson to Denver, uh, Matt Ryan ends up in Indianapolis. So I think the draft not having that clear-cut franchise guy that everyone's excited about or multiple of those, uh, that affected free agency in that way. And I think that, that's part of what made the quarterback market go so nuts. So, and I promise we're going to get to pass rushers uh, and corners in just a minute. But as long as we're talking about quarterbacks and free agency, there are two who are essentially waiting for the music to stop, but it seems to have stopped. Uh, You've got Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, for 49ers fans, Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be a very hot topic, no matter what day of the week in any month ever. Uh, But you have two guys, Baker Mayfield this week felt, says he felt, you know, disrespected by the Browns. I'm curious to just your thoughts on where they both go. I I still believe that there is pretty much no chance Jimmy Garoppolo is on the 49ers week one roster. But with each passing week, maybe. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. (laughs) Well, it's a health issue, right? I mean, having had the shoulder surgery right after the season, I think that changed everything in terms of what they're able to do with him. So they don't want to just dump him for nothing. I mean, they feel like, you know, he is somebody who has value. Uh, so they're not just trying to get they, – they've figured out how to carry him on their cap, and so they can wait until he's healthy, until someone's situation changes. Somebody gets into training camp and their quarterback gets hurt, or mm-hmm. they just sort of look at their quarterback situation and it's like, oh, this is not what we thought it might be, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. th- th- so we do need to go out and get somebody and trade trade for you know Jimmy Garoppolo, trade for Baker Mayfield. So, But with, with Garoppolo, I do th- – I, I'm with you. I think he would have been dealt by now. If he'd been oh, yes. healthy, I think he would have been a part of that whole quarterback movement frenzy, but he wasn't. And I think that gave a lot of teams pause, especially considering the 49ers are you know, going to be asking for something of value for him as opposed to just here, take, take him and his salary. So I think now they're, and Kyle talked about this a little bit at the owners meetings a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, I think they're just sort of in a wait and see mode. Let's see, get him healthy get him to start throwing, which as I understand it, isn't till late June, early July. That is so, correct. You know, you're going to get through mini camps and he still wouldn't be a guy that could get out on the field and throw to your receivers. So it looks like this goes into training camp. At least it's possible. He opens the season on the roster and he's a trade deadline uh, acquisition for somebody as he was for San Francisco way back. But um, yeah, I, I think they'd move him if they felt like they were getting good value, just because of the surgery, I think that turned some teams off in terms of paying the price. 
It did. And when we talked to John Lynch at the owners meetings, he said, you know, conceptually there had been offers. There was nothing firm. Uh, yeah. And then the surgery tr- changed everything. It's just, it'll be interesting to see. And it would also be interesting to see. And I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know how this is going to go. But, you know, should he still be on the roster at the beginning of training camp? Is there now a quarterback competition that I don't really think is a competition, but does become an interesting training camp storyline. I don't know that that's good for anyone involved, but it will just be kind of interesting to see how it all plays out. So I think that, but I mean, a lot of that depends on Trey Lance, right? Like what kind of off season does he have? Do they feel going into training camp that he is ready to be the starter? If they don't, then that might change the entire perspective on the plan for Jimmy Garoppolo. So my, I mean, I think right now they're proceeding as if it's going to be Lance and they're trying to get him ready, but something happens. He gets hurt. He doesn't come along as quickly as they hope. You know, Jimmy is certainly a better fallback uh, option than most. That is that is absolutely correct. And I was thinking what you said, we get the, a team gets a training camp in the quarterback situation, seems, yeah. looks and says maybe this isn't quite right, which could be true of a Trubisky. I actually don't know that Jimmy is a great fit in Pittsburgh. I used to feel he was, and, and now I don't really know that he is. But, you know, maybe Mariota really doesn't pan out in Atlanta. Yeah. It'll just be kind of interesting to see how this all plays out. And then there's the Baker Mayfield, Mayfield of it all. Mm-hmm. And his dog, which was the star of that podcast, because that dog was just so cute. That's really all I cared about. Um, all right. So let's talk about let's talk about the draft stuff that, that I promise you we would discuss. Let's talk pass rushers. Uh, it's also a, a deep draft for safeties. But as I said at the top, the 49ers draft pass rushers, it's what they do and, yeah. and they're right to do it. And they really do need to build a little bit on the other side of the line opposite Nick Bosa. Who are the guys? that stand up to you that could be there at 61 and then beyond, because I just, I don't see the Niners getting into the first round this year. Right. That's the thing. It's too far to go to get into the first round and um, you know, to try and project who's going to be there at 61. I mean, that so many things can happen. So, I mean, look, you look at these mock drafts and you see, you know, I, I think a lot of people are giving them defensive backs and offensive linemen, but if you look around there, See, to me, the most interesting guy, right, is we'll go back to Michigan for a second, uh, David Ojabo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's, he got hurt. He tears his, uh, top of my head, I, Achilles, it was, right? I, I think it was, so, it was Achilles or ACL. Yeah, he suffers a significant injury at his pro day, and it looks like he'll miss most, if not all, of the 2022 season. So what happens to him? Do you draft him in the first round anyway? Uh, mm-hmm. And if you don't, how far does he fall? Because that that really gets interesting because that, to me, feels like the kind of, you know, move the 49ers make, right? We're to draft an edge rusher for the long term. Uh, and this guy, once he's healthy, has a chance to be special. So, you know, that's the kind of special circumstance you kind of look at if you're at 61. But if that doesn't happen, if he doesn't fall that far, you know, you, you, you sort of have to be – I like the idea of pass rusher for them because – it can be a project guy, right? Yes, you, you would like to plug in somebody opposite Nick Bosa right away. But when you're drafting 61 and then in the third round and you're looking for instant helpers, that can be a little bit dangerous because they may mm-hmm. not be there. And you may end up getting a guy that, you know, just needs more seasoning, just needs more time. And so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, edge rush, I'm looking at, you know, Kuiper's latest mock draft, which goes two rounds, right? Mm-hmm. And edge rusher for, you know, in that zone, uh, USC, Drake Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's a guy that, that people think is, has high end traits, but maybe he j- he's dropping for some reason. Um, you know, I, I think the the key thing where they are and the other thing to remember is they have nine picks. So right. 
if someone's tumbling down into the 50s, right, 40s or 50s, and it's someone they really love, they could be in position to to make a move to get him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's something to watch out for as well. If they have somebody targeted for that pick, the 49ers are a good enough team that it may not make a lot of sense for them to make nine picks because there may not be nine open roster spots. Right. For, for yeah. rookies. So um, I would watch that because with the extra third rounder and, and what do they have an extra couple extra six, maybe an extra fifth. Like they have a bunch of picks late, late in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, that can help you move up a spot or two or three, which might be the thing that you need um, to get the guy that you really have your eye on. And it's interesting with the 49ers. And I think this draft to me is one of their most interesting ones because they do really well in the later rounds. I mean, that's where they yeah. have found their gems. You know, that's where they found the George Kittles. That's where they get Fred Warder. That, I mean, that's where they have found their gems. Obviously, they hit on Nick Bosa. Remains to be seen if they hit on Trey Lance. I think they probably did, but it remains to be seen. But this, to me, becomes an interesting draft for them. And you made a really good point. Because one of the things 49ers fans, and I understand Twitter is like not a real place and people get very, you know, excited there. It's definitely not a real place. But but 49ers fans get very up in arms and and talked about the offseason. They didn't do this, didn't didn't do that. This is a roster that's basically set. I mean, this is a roster that just went to an NFC championship game and was maybe basically a dropped interception away potentially from going to the Super Bowl. So this is not a team, to your point, that has to do a ton. They can make some moves. They can maybe find a couple gems, but you make a really good point. This roster is pretty stacked. Yeah. And, and look, you know, obviously you're not, you have an administration there uh, with the coach and GM who, who have a great deal of job security. I mean, you know, I think there was some rumblings a year ago that maybe they might not if they had another losing season, but it seems like they do. And they operate that way, right? They think about the mm-hmm. long-term, the big picture. Let's make sure this rod. Yes, we have to build a competitive roster for right now because we owe it to our fans because we're, we're good enough. So we're going to sign Alex Mack, right? We're mm-hmm. going to sign mm-hmm. Trent Williams. Um, but, you know, those guys are not going to be there forever. So right. that's where you find your, you know, you take your offensive line prospect, someone that can play a couple different positions. Maybe you can plug them in at guard if you have a need or right tackle, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think they are very good at that. They have found gems in the middle and later rounds, which is how, you know, the first round gets all the attention and, and it's very exciting. But uh, the teams that do well are the teams that use those those later picks uh, and, and hit on them and develop the players that they draft there. So safety is is a, a big one in this draft. And that's an area where the 49ers could probably use a, a little bit more help. Uh is there anyone that you see again in those later rounds? And I know this goes back to the thing is we don't have a crystal ball. And it's like so many things can happen, but some guys that look like they might be a little bit more middle round guys that could have other, not Kyle Hamilton. Of course he won't be there, but those some middle round guys that, you know, have the potential to, to help out early on like a Talanoa Ufunga. I mean, look, you know, this is, uh, this is not like for me personally, like I, I kind of lean on our evaluators, especially for, you know, those, the, when you get into the late second round, early third round. So, so I kind of look at what Mel's doing and what Todd mm-hmm. McShay's doing and what Jordan Reed are doing, you know, all these people that do mock drafts uh, on our site. Um, the, the latest Mel one has a defensive back from Nebraska named Cam Taylor Britt going to the 49ers. Now is that it says defensive back? Is he a safety? Is he a cornerback? looks like he's a cornerback. So, but they need what a nickel corner. So yes. Safety, nickel corner, those are kind of positions where you get somebody coming out of college that might be able to play either or both. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that that kind of versatility probably appeals. 
you know, they signed Traverius Ward in free agency, so they're not necessarily looking for an instant starter at corner on the outside. Uh, and safety, as we mentioned, we were talking earlier about Kyle Hamilton, is a, is a position where teams tend to like to wait and, and get value in the second, third, fourth round uh, because, you know, they've shown the ability to, to find them there. So, yeah, again, I, I would just sort of default to what I said earlier. Like if there's a player that they have targeted, um, don't be surprised to see them jump up a couple spots to grab him because, um, you know, it, it, you get antsy sitting there at 61 waiting and waiting and waiting, right? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> you watch the whole first round, you watch the almost the whole second round. Um, I think they're going to be, you know, looking at uh, looking at players they like and thinking, what can we do to make sure we get them? I was thinking about that, the getting antsy, because I think this is my first year covering the team where they don't have a first round pick. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I, no I guess fun. I just sit there. I'll just Thursday's watch. Thursday's no fun. Well, it's no fun, or though it might be kind of fun to watch everybody else scramble yeah, and whatever as we true. sit in the workroom and, and have some dinner and pre-write for the next day and just, yeah, you know, a, yeah Thursday dinner. though, you're right. Like to get from 61 to the first round is very difficult. So you're probably got to have a pretty, a pretty easy Thursday. Yeah. Well, just by the way, just because we said that there's going to be some massive yeah. block pressure trade and they're going to end up in the first round and it will happen by the way at 5.02 p.m. Pacific time. Just when I'm like, this is going to be such an easy Thursday. But that big move last year, weeks ahead of time. They gave everybody time to to speculate and guess and try and figure out who they were going to take. That was a lot of fun. See, that was fun. I like like it when there's quarterbacks up at the top. That was fun. That was fun. Last year was definitely a fun year, and that day uh, was fun. And getting prepped for that day, I had about five different graphics of five different players in different positions with captions ready to go. I was very, you, very prepared last year. Did you get it right though? So <laughs> yes, yes and no. Okay. So one of my colleagues texted me on that Thursday and said, we're, you know, a qu- question for you. Who, who do you think they pick? And I said, I actually think it's Trey Lance, but that being said, It'll probably be Mac Jones. So I'm like, did I get it right? I don't know. I think I kind of did. But we had, I mean, I had so many graphics prepared. I even had a graphic prepared for um, Kyle Pitt. Should they, should they trade for Eric Rogers? Like I had so many different things, but my gut did say Trey Lance, but then I went and this is like the SAT thing, right? You always go with your first answer. And then I went with uh, Mac Jones. Actually, this is kind of a, Funny story, one of my other colleagues, Chris Biederman, earlier, a few weeks before the draft, said to me, I know who they're going to pick. And he sent me a gif of a bison. And I wrote him back and I said, is that a moose? And he was like, no, it's a bison. Because I, in the interim, was Googling every team and was like, I don't think there's a moose. What is he talking about? But it was, no, that was that was kind of our joke. So that continues to be our joke, like moose or bison. Um, the other day, actually, because you mentioned Kuiper, Big Cop, I was talking sports with some people and, and somebody I didn't know. And he was like, I'm calling you Mel Kuyper. And I was like, that is like the greatest, nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Thank you. <laughs> and I certainly know Mel Kuyper, but I was excited about that. Um, no. All right. We talked a lot of NFL. So now we're going to talk about something that really matters. And that's baseball. Um, and <laughs> and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, my listeners, it is, I know, and my followers are very upset by the fact that I cover the 49ers, but I love the Dodgers. But I'm from mm-hmm. Los Angeles and big Dodger fan. So we're recording this on Thursday. On Wednesday, Clayton Kershaw, seven perfect innings. He gets pulled, 80 pitches. Um, I agree with it. I get it. 
It is World Series or bust for this team. And I think every decision, I know it's April, but every decision from now until October goes into that. But you as a non-biased, I guess, baseball fan, what did you think of it? Um, I mean, I understand it. Certainly, mm-hmm. like the logic is understandable, but it's no fun. And that's, right. I think, an interesting thing that baseball is dealing with, with its proliferation of analytics. Um, I, one of my colleagues, Kevin Seifert, made a point uh, a, a few months ago that, like, this is another case where the NFL has lucked out because football's analytics uh, are all about scoring points and making the game more exciting, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. like, baseball's analytics are are, you know, shifts and, and stuff that, you know, that, that, that yeah. doesn't necessarily lend itself to excitement. Uh, basketball analytics, you know, the game has kind of moved into three-point or, or dunk and that's it. Um, so I think baseball's problem, and again, I covered baseball for 14 years, Major League Baseball for 14 years. The last one was 08. Um, so it's been a while. And uh, mm-hmm. there are aspects of the game that I don't really recognize. And that certainly is a glaring example. That would have never happened. Right. Take a guy out yeah. who's pitching a perfect game. So, I mean, I get it. You, you know, you're, you're basing it on decades of sample size of injury data and all that stuff. And you're trying to maximize your chances of keeping your people healthy and um, and win the World Series. The problem the sport has is if you've convinced your fans that only thing that matters is winning the championship and if you've convinced your players of that and your coaches of that and managers of that then why are you watching this six months? Like, like there's six months worth of games and, you know, you're right. trying to sell your product as an entertainment product. I just feel like they, that, that sport has done a poor job of convincing fans why they should care about the new stats. Like what, what, what's to yeah. get excited about? You're telling me wins and RBIs and batting average don't matter anymore. And those are my, all right, well, tell me what does and tell me why, you know, I, I should care about it. So that, that I think is something that baseball's run into. And, and um, again, when you talk about analytics and football, it does seem to be all sort of geared toward, you know, more offense, more offense, more offense. And that's why I think people are, um, it hasn't had the same effect in that sport. Baseball has done a bad job of so many things. And unfortunately, and I think to me, it's one of my top two favorite sports. And I always go back and forth of whether I like football or baseball better. And, and I think it is so fun. And to me, there's nothing more exciting than a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth of a win or go home, you know, playoff game. Uh, that's the coolest thing in the world. But most people don't feel that way. And most people feel like, sure, but then that's in October. Why do I need to keep watching to your point. And there's a lot of things they've done. And I think another thing that's come up and it's come up this week is this idea of the unwritten rules of baseball. And I think we got to get over that and let people just have fun and play the game. Cause this unwritten rules thing is like, it's not a written rule. Let's, let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. my, that's my thought on that. It's like um, that taunting rule in the NFL that everybody hates, you know, it's a terrible rule. <laughs> it's awful. Like nothing to be done. The owners run the league and that's what they want. So, well, that's true. And that's also very true in baseball, but it is, it's an awful rule. That's why sometimes they call football the no fun league, even though it is the most fun (laughs) by far. Um, All right. So before I let you go, we're going to do Cody corner because that's what I do on Fridays. And I apologize in advance that you have to sit through this, but I'll make it really quick. But Cody Bellinger on Wednesday, recording this Thursday, I'll be at Dodger stadium tonight for opening night. I'm, so excited. I could cry. Um, but Cody Ballinger on Wednesday, Cody has struggled, struggled and struggled. He had a home run. He had a double. 
And I was so happy about it. And really, that's all I have to say for Cody Corner. We try to keep Cody Corner as a really positive place. Right. And so I feel like that was just very exciting for the uh, for the outfielder, Cody Bellinger. I don't know how much you know about Cody Bellinger or care, but... No, look, I still have my fantasy baseball team. So, I mean, I follow oh, along. Do. Yeah, so I don't have him. I have Kershaw that drafted him. So that was fun on Wednesday. Oh. Um, That's really fun. But uh, yeah, I, I, Bellinger was MVP player. I don't know what happened to him, but um, you know, it's in there somewhere. It's definitely in there somewhere. Wait, I got to ask you about a fantasy baseball league. That feels like a lot of work. Oh, so it's not a daily lineup set league, right? Th- okay. That is a lot of work. I used to play in those, uh, but I, I don't have the time for it. So it's, you set your lineup once a week and you run waivers, uh, player acquisitions twice a week. So okay. most of the time, there's really not a lot of management that needs to be done. A couple times a week, you got to pay attention, um, but you can't change the lineup until you know Sunday night, Monday morning. So uh, oh. it's it's it, it's pretty it's pretty good. It keeps me connected to that game. I, I see. I like I still like watching baseball. I, I'm one of those that likes to watch an inning unfold and a long at bat and the strategy that goes into all that. So uh, I still do enjoy it. I do too. You and I are cut from the same cloth. My 12-year-old nephew is also in a fantasy baseball league and a fantasy football league and the amount of preparation he does. There may be GMs in this league that do not do the amount of preparation he does. <laughs> and it's really, really impressive. Um, but with that, Dan, I will let you go. Thank you for your time today. This was a lot of fun and just always appreciate your insight. My pleasure, Tracy. Uh, we are brought to you by Bet Online. If you like what you heard, and I know that you did, Please make sure to leave us a five-star review, five-star review and follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to everybody later. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.